there's wilting under the Texas heat, and then there's whatever Trevor Steffen just did. You're listening to the Selfie is Godcast with Zach Meisel and TJ Zupi. Fly ball, deep right field. Back is Spencer at the one and two against the wall. Subscribe to Selby is Godcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Unbelievable. What a way to kick off the second half, huh? <laughs> Your ace to the injured list. Potential trade discussion dead. A three-game sweep at the hands of the Rangers in which your bullpen gave up 45 runs. Slight exaggeration yet. Is it? Four, was it 14? 14 runs in this series by the bullpen? 10? Was it 10 on Friday? Four by Stefan on Sunday? For as much as that lineup for Texas really is scary, there were stretches where... Pitchers are doing their job, starting pitching. I mean, you want to talk about the youngsters doing what they, they did against that lineup? Very impressive. Was that not to see Bybee in, in a couple of spots dig deep, get some strikeouts when he needed? I mean, that was impressive, right? Gaffin Williams not ever just getting knocked to the ground. It looks fine. Who gives that up in these series? Isn't it always? What, what do we always say? When do they choose to have their worst games ever? <laughs> the worst possible time. Though for Trevor Steffen, I think he's had multiple of his worst games ever here of late. Hi. Hello there. <laughs> I'm going to just dismiss everything you just said. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I just have a simple question. Okay. I'm because ready. I'm tired of having the same conversations over and over. I think people are tired of us talking about the same things over and over. Maybe they're not. I don't know. But I just have a question that just, it's one simple sentence that I think encapsulates every iota of frustration that every fan has had, that every person who has to watch this team or gets to watch this team, I guess. Here's my question, and I want to hear your answer, and I want listeners to tell us what they think. I'm trying to get in the right state of mind. Okay. Yeah. Zen, Shavasana. Mm, All right, ready? That's what I'm aiming for. Can you name? No. In your life, (laughs) a more miserable experience in watching a team? In watching a team. Now let me let me okay. let me give some context here. Because <laughs> there will be people who say, Oh, I watched hundred lost teams. I watched a team that had heartbreak in the postseason. Many, there have been many acts as we... August to remember. There's also <laughs> oh, that. My goodness. But that team clung to pseudo contention for a few months first. They had expectations that are not being met. I think that factors into this. There's supposed to be a young, exciting, energetic team that plays the game the right way and slashes and dashes and bloops and runs and all those things they did last year that were enthralling. I haven't done that. 
and you look to what the team's strength could be, you think starting pitching. Bybee and Williams have come up and looked like they belong. Bybee is, is he their ace? Like, what's, he looks awesome. Williams, you see the potential there. Logan Allen had some struggles, but like, can certainly see how he's a long-term piece, right? So you think, oh man, if I would have told you at the beginning of the year that those three guys, it would be a seamless transition, you would have said, oh my goodness, pair them with Bieber and McKenzie and let's ride. Whoops. Every night, if the pitching's great, the offense is not. If the offense emerges, the pitching suffers. If both of those things work just enough, you still got the bullpen to pull the rug out from underneath you. How many times have we seen it this season? Trevor Steffen on Sunday. Guess what? Remember the Minnesota series? The start of June? That was a big showdown for the AL Central. And that first game, the Guardians look awesome. And then Steffen blows it in the eighth. Like, we've seen this before. Every day. It's another gut-wrenching defeat. And yet, it's nothing new. So I just want to know, because maybe this year is your answer, and maybe, maybe there's just one year where you're just like, I will never get that rotten 2002 season, that rotten 1991 season, that rotten 2010 season, out of my head. But my goodness, 2023, there's a case to be made there <laughs> through 93 games. I mean, it's impossible to avoid recency bias here. Everything you look back on, you seem to remember more of the positives than you do the negatives, and you flushed a lot of that pain. And that's the body's way of surviving, right? You, your body kind of goes into shock to be able to deal with the pain, and maybe you forget some of the pain that you, you felt in that moment. It's, it's how you get through this, this tough life. But we're testing that with the 2023 Guardians. <laughs> we're testing that. I... I would try to zero in on one thing in particular, but it's not just one thing. I mean, yeah, it's, it, it can be that sequencing thing that you're talking about, but the text that you sent me 20 minutes ago, why does Miles Straw hit? Well, I guess you could just put a period right there, but why does he hit with the game on the line? And it's not just a Sunday thing. It's an every damn day thing. And I said to you... That is the theme of the season, not just with straw, but why are they dot, dot, dot. That is the theme of the season. And that is what is frustrating me, because if it was just about younger players, like going through it in their second full season, not like the Andre Semenes, if it was just a, a bunch of Andre Semenes seasons where it's like, eh, not quite living up to what they did last year, you'd be disappointed, sure. But that was kind of built into what I thought could happen this year. It's the the... The fact that I don't understand so much of what they're doing. And I don't think there's a good explanation for so much of what they're doing that frustrates the You're absolute... never going to get transparency either. I think that's what's right. maddening. Yeah. <laughs> it's also, I mean, I they have numbers in front of them, right? I mean, because I don't, I don't, I don't, I refuse two things. I refuse to get back sucked into the Ahmed Wars. I refuse to get sucked into the conversation about you declared them ask over. the tough questions. And we've been over this a thousand times this season. Okay. It's, it's exhausting. Um, and 
they're never going to say anything disparaging about a player publicly. So every time we ask, you're 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 not getting the answer you want that's going to satisfy you, basically, is what I'm saying. My point is, how is it that Straw's always at the plate when the game's on the line? He's never batting in the eighth inning with two outs and nobody on in a seven to one game. He's only up in the ninth inning. When it's a one-run game, got to move the runners on base. Move the batting order around. He's got to start hitting like fifth. Where they need a home run, and you turn to the guy who's closing in on his one millionth minute without hitting one. <laughs> Naylor needs on my clock. Sorry, my Josh Naylor. Josh Naylor needs to start hitting ninth. That's the that's the answer because somehow <laughs> it has been Miles Straw in the eighth or ninth spot, always up with the game on the line. But I just. It's just a rotten season. It's just wretched. It's just... I don't know what the path forward is. <laughs> you got the trade deadline. You got Bieber news. McKenzie's got a big week ahead of him. I think this is the week he said where he'll know exactly how well he can bounce back. But this team has just so many... It's it's honestly like a game of whack-a-mole. It's like they went nuts and just started hammering every rodent that popped up. I feel like, like I'm the mole. There was always another one that's popping up. <laughs> you and I and everyone listening, we're the moles. We're the ones getting whacked <laughs> every damn day in the head. So I want to know. I want to know what what has been just the most brutal watch for those people who watch 162 games a year. I want to know where this ranks so far in terms of least enjoyable. I'm just curious. I mean, like from my standpoint, because, you know, I'm watching them every single day and obviously I'm getting paid to do so and I have to stay objective and tell you my analysis of the situation based on what I know and what I'm seeing. But like, it is brutal to watch. Now, it's different brutal than 2021 was, which was just mind-numbingly boring and just playing out the string with guys you knew were not part of the future. But I think that's why this season's so maddening is it's not supposed to be like 2021. Ahmed Rosario is not part of their future. Why am I still watching him every day? So it's, you know, if, if, if you want to hear us, or at least me, I won't speak for you. If you want to hear me rant about Rosario and Straw and Playing time decisions and all that BS and asking the tough questions. I will direct you to your podcast app, your Spotify app, um, YouTube, Selvia's Godcast. We're on there. Patreon, I highly recommend you subscribe. Join the Discord. You can find all of this on there. But I'm just, I'm, it's tiring. It's it's the same conversation. And And again, I think that's why it plays into why... Judging by social media and Discord and my email and my mentions and just everything, like it seems like everybody is having a miserable time. Yes. I totally understand it. Yes. It's just, this is a different level of miserable than, you know, 2010 when you didn't think Manny Acta in his first year coming off a terrible 2009 season was going to put a 95-win team on the field when Jason Nix... And Sal Fasano or whoever the hell. Write them down. Mitch Talbot. Save these for the Immaculate Grid. Mm. Save these names. I tried to warn all of you. I gave you Cord Phelps this past week. 
So we did our our live show with our, our, our hangout with the listeners. If you're a Patreon supporter, you get things like that, a chance to just hang out with us. We, we did about 90 minutes, right? 90 minutes. We talked about Cord Phelps on that show, and then there was an opportunity in the Immaculate Grid to use him, and nobody in our Discord used him. I am so very disappointed. Do you know what his real name is? Maybe at one point I knew that. I don't remember now. I feel like we've actually talked about this when he was maybe a random player of the, of the episode. It's Robert. Bob Cord Phelps. <laughs> That's part of the pain that I was talking about, that the brain just says goodbye to, <laughs> so you don't have to live through it over and over. The only time you'll remember that is when you wake up at 3 in the morning and you're thinking, what was Cord Phelps' first name and where is my birth t- certificate? The two things that will wake you up in the middle of the night. And Thank you how... for reminding me I need to renew my passport. <laughs> That's true. I'm coming up on that as well. I mean, it goes beyond, doesn't it go beyond just like the little things within a, a vacuum are painful, but in the course of 162, maybe forgivable. Like Stefan having a bad night. The bullpen having a bad series, just getting bullied by Texas. I mean, half those guys look like they were pitching scared to that lineup. Trevor Stefan can't throw a strike, and then when he does, he's in a horrendous count. What does a hitter know is coming? Well, probably the only thing he can throw for a strike or get anything close, and then run, run, runs left and right. All of that, again, inside the vacuum of uh, just looking at that. Under the microscope, frustrating but not absolutely crippling, not keep you up at, at night, frustrating. It's all of this stuff. It has been just piled on top of each other one after another, all really punctuated by the lack of really any clear direction or consistency, maybe more so from the organization and the what they're telling us through their actions and what they're telling us through their words, too. But really, the words carry no weight, and I've heard no good answers as to why Miles Straw... Like, it's, it's just a dismiss thing. Like, no, 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 we're not talking about Miles Straw hitting in the eighth and ninth inning with runners on base or, or even... A one-run game with a power hitter on the bench. What are you paying that guy for? What? You're concerned that he's going to tie the game up? I'll, cons- I'll consider that when it happens. And even if the worst-case scenario is Josh Bell go- goes and plays center field because he extended the game, woohoo! <laughs> I'd rather that scenario than everybody has a lame flight to Pittsburgh. Okay? So it's the consistency and the lack of, of, of being able to figure out or defend points. And we've said it's not our job to defend things that they do, but if we see maybe uh, a reasoning behind what they're doing, even if we don't completely agree with it. But I see it. I can at least maybe help explain their thought process on certain things. I'm getting asked so much, whether it's in the Discord or at my daughter's birthday party, to explain things that the Guardians are doing. I cannot do it. I can't tell you why Straw is hitting. I can't tell you why Arius disappears. And then why today? Why is today the day you can finally unleash Gabriel Arius when there are other opportunities, like Straw hitting last night? Arius, like, there's a, is there a line here that they drew and say, no, no, it's not going to be till Sunday that he can actually pick up a bat? Was he dealing with an, an allergy to wood? What is the issue where Gabriel Arias could not pick up a bat? And then he goes out and, okay, he doesn't have a base hit, but he hit the ball 114 today. I like that a lot more than whatever Miles Straw is going to contribute. And don't give me, well, he walked and he had a single. Great. Great. He can have... A thousand paper cuts is what's going to take for him to impact the game. I can't explain that. Zach, I can't explain it. I know you don't have an explanation for me, and I'm just screaming at you, 
But that's where my frustration comes from. I can deal with guys not performing, but it's when the organization is just not giving you any clear indication as to what the hell is the direction. Why is it with the pitchers? You can pitch them and you can take the reins off and yeah, we'll pull back a little bit. and We'll be mindful of their innings. But for the most part, they're just letting those guys roll. But we can't do that with the, the, the youngsters we have on the bench or the guys that aren't part of the future or the guys that are the sunk cost in the lineup. Explain that to me. And they can't. They haven't. And I've walked away from conversations with people still not really understanding this. I, they need to prove to me that they grasp how to bring position players, position player prospects into the majors. They, I don't, we don't need to talk about how they handle pitchers. They've, they've nailed it, right? Like every single starting pitcher who comes up, who has some sort of pedigree or, you know, I'm not talking the Hunter Gaddises of the world here, but. Bybee Williams and Allen this year, you know, when Plesak and Savali came up in 19, they saved that season uh, to an extent. So it's it's been impressive what they do on the pitching side, but they have no idea, at least from what I've seen, how to handle position player prospects. You're right. And I know Gabriel Arias was working on stuff with his swing and his mechanics and his approach, but do you do what did he said for like three weeks? <laughs> what? How are you supposed to implement that? And if that's the case, send him to AAA where he can hit every single day. That I, I do not understand that. How they've used Tyler Freeman, and again, I'm worked me into a shoot, as Ken Carmen would say, because I said I wasn't going to get into this. We just talked about this last Another, week and the week before and the week before I've that and the week before that. A victory. <laughs> what does Tyler Freeman need to do to get more consistent at bats than once a week? Every time he plays, he hits. I, pff, how do you even do that? They talk all the time about how as a utility, like they like veterans as the utility guys because you can not play for eight days and then just pop in there and contribute to a, to a win. And somehow this kid is doing it and then some, and he's a rookie. So expl- make that make sense. I, it doesn't, nothing adds up. Nothing adds up. And And here's where I think it gets confusing because everybody wants to pinpoint someone to blame. Tito takes a lot of that heat, and I, I get it. And if you want to blame Tito and say, fire Tito and say he's been terrible this year, like, that's your prerogative. Like, I, I, I never know how much blame to assign the manager versus the players versus the front office versus the other coaches. I don't know. You know, that's that's impossible to do. But where I get lost here is, like, I know Terry Francona wanted Bo Naylor up here. I know that this team was sick of watching Mike Zanino and that they felt an obligation to let him try to work out of it because he was their free agent signing. They owed him $6 million. And then Bo Naylor, in the first game out of the All-Star break, has a really nice night, including a two-run homer. And then he sits the next two days. Just because it's a lefty on the mound? So if you face lefties every day for a week straight, he's not going to see the plate, even though he's your catcher of the present and the future? It's just bewildering, and I don't know. It gets exhausting asking about every single little detail here because, and talking about every single little detail here because the bottom line is the team just has not, at no point this season have they put it all together and looked like they can be formidable. And if the AL Central was not so pathetic, the whole conversation shifts. 
If the Twins would just win like seven in a row, everything changes. And you look to 2024, and you trade Ahmed Rosario for a bag of balls at the deadline. And you think about how you can get the most out of these rookie starting pitchers now without jeopardizing their future and setting them up for success in 2024. And you get a better read on Freeman and Arias and Brennan and Gonzalez. They just have not made winning moves this season. I've said this before in jest, but I, like we should do two things. One, we should do a trial of the front office because it feels like everything they've touched for the last year has gone rotten. And two, are they tanking? Like I've said it jokingly, but I, I almost wonder if you look back at all the decisions throughout this season under the lens that they're actually tanking for a better draft pick, I wonder if it would make more sense. It's really painful. Out. It's it's painful how that is getting more and more real. <laughs> that, that it's going less and less joke to more and more of the... <laughs> and hey, I mean, conspiracies... At, pull up another W for the conspiracy music because who's to the injured list? Shane Bieber. And we talked about that, like... There's all these warning signs and all these things that the organization is doing and they're saying, ah, we want to get him some rest or we've pushed him really hard in these games. So we that's why we're looking to get him out after six innings and 80 pitches. And it's like, OK, sure, I want to give you the benefit of the doubt here, but that kind of doesn't smell right. And wouldn't you know it, he's to the injured list. And I. You tell me, oh, well, he heard pleasant news. OK, well, it's we're still talking about inflammation in an in an arm, elbow and shoulder, you've always said it. It's super scary. For him, you know, forearm leading to the elbow and you got inflammation. You, you can tell me that there's that he got some ple more pleasant news, but that doesn't make me feel any less uh, nervous, scared. And it's not only that. It's not only the, the fact that you could potentially lose him for a stretch, maybe more, maybe the rest of the season. I don't know. You don't know. It's just speculation, but that's clearly a possibility. It goes beyond that. It's because this organization, I think the one thing that also just adds another gut punch or kick to the you-know-where for fans, when this team was losing, it was like, okay, but maybe that makes it more clear for this organization to go in the direction of trading a Shane Bieber. Well, now that's off the table. So now the one like small sliver of any good piece of news you could take away from a loss that's taken away from you. You, you. you can't trade him away. That decision won't be made for you because what team is going to trade for an injured starting pitcher? It's very rare that that actually happens. So what has happened is you went from a complex decision on whether to trade Bieber in the next two weeks to, like, there were two choices. There were trade Bieber and hope that you can address your outfield and maybe add a prospect or a back-end starter or something in the process to just move some things around and help your team this year and also help them in the future. That's option one. Option two, you keep him so that he can guide this rookie-filled rotation to a postseason berth. And that was it. And neither of those options is feasible now. So... It's it's even more complex because now you're keeping him. You're hoping he gets healthy so that he has trade value this winter. But good luck. I mean, this is a front office that is 
they're always the stickler who says you meet our demands or we're not budging and now you're going to play play it that way to a 29 other teams who are going to be a little nervous about adding a guy who already had scary peripherals and was giving up a ton of hard contact and the velocity's down he doesn't throw his curveball with conviction anymore and and now you add this like he's a ticking time bomb i mean i don't know they traded kluber for class a and to shields kluber threw one inning for the rangers and that was it they traded clevenger for six guys Clevenger made four starts in 2020 for the Padres and zero starts in 2021 for the Padres. So I don't know how you pull this off now, but it's going to make things super complicated and certainly changes the thought process at the deadline. I was saying for weeks, like you still need to add an outfielder, not even thinking about 2023, but 24 and 25 and using prospects to do that. Uh, I think that's still an option on the table, but I just wonder what the aggression level is. You know, you could have convinced me maybe a couple weeks ago, hey, what about like Cody Bellinger or someone like that, a rental? And I like, does that still make sense to you? I, I don't, I don't know that it does to me anymore. I, I don't know how aggressive I'd be to, to try to build a team that can do damage in 2023. If it means I see Less of Miles Straw? Sure. Sure. I mean, make yourself better. I'm not going to stand in the way of them doing that. If, if they determine the best course of action is to make a move still to be in, cool. Cool. Because if you're making your team better, you could say, well, does it make sense? But, like, okay. I kind of like I like the, the option where you at least make yourself better. You're trying to do something. To, you're recognizing you can't just keep ramming your head into the wall and thinking it's going to bash through like you're the juggernaut here. Probably not going to happen with a guy like Miles Strawn's center field. And, yeah, you, okay, you, you paid him. You, he's got the extension. He's not going anywhere. Okay, whatever. But if you're paying him regardless, put the best lineup on the field. And if that means you have to go back to Oscar Gonzalez, fine. Do that. I mean, I'll buy getting another look of Oscar Gonzalez. I don't think you should just, like, based on what we saw, we all, going into when he was called up, we had all of our red flags and warnings. He kicked those to the side for the rest of the season. We went into the offseason and we said, sure, I'll give him another opportunity. He's earned that, but we still have our warnings. Those still exist. But I don't think you should, like, imagine a scenario where he just never gets another opportunity for this team where they can't put any good outfielders that can hit for any power in this lineup and you're not going to give him another chance. That is absolutely stupid. I don't know how I got from Bieber to Oscar Gonzalez, but just follow my stream of consciousness here. He should get another opportunity. Should he not get another opportunity very soon? I don't know who loses their roster spot, but I'll take another opportunity of, of Oscar Gonzalez. I'll take it over what's happening right now. I just, I, I don't know. I, the, this season is just the whole, just a bowl of yuck. I mean, they've made, it's like, okay, either win games and look like a World Series contender, like was the plan at the start of the season, or set yourself up for next season to do that by playing kids and learning about them and just make progress on some front. And it's, the middle of July, and they haven't done that. And we're just watching the same shit over and over and over again. I, I don't... 
don't know. I mean, it's it's truly been very difficult to write about this team because it's I'm tired. Like I don't want to write the same story over and over again. It is the same thing, day in, day out. But you can't at the same time you can't dismiss it because it's the biggest effing thing. It's the only thing worth talking about. Despite the fact that it's the same thing, it's the only thing worth talking about. And okay, the direction of the front office, the direction of the coaching staff and Tito and the manager and the choices that they're making and the fact that there are younger players that seemingly have roadblocks being stuck in their way day after day, another hurdle for somebody to clear, not setting the... Like for a team that talks about setting up younger players to succeed, they're not doing that with position players. And it's been an uphill battle for so many younger players. And they go elsewhere. And like, I don't know if it's some hitting philosophy that's told to somebody or if it's just nobody's standing in their way. So nobody's standing in Will Benson's way and he just takes off. Nobody's standing in the way of an Gio Urshela and he takes off, whatever. Why why are these roadblocks here? And I will do my best when I think Tito deserves defending, but there's a lot that I don't think you can defend. And I've said it before. If they want to take credit as a collaboration, they need to take all of the, the negativity as a collaboration too. So as I've said before, not playing straw and letting him hit, that's also on the front office. Because if they truly believe that Miles Straw should not be hitting in late-game situations or shouldn't be playing as much as he is, then he just storm into the office and say, this is what's going to happen. Because we are the front mm-hmm. office. As much as we have this great relationship, we still set the tone. And if there's something we want, this is what we want. And so that's why it's on everybody. It's on everybody. And for Tito and Bo Naylor, it's on him. When he really wants, but if, if, like if you're telling me that Bo Naylor should be playing more, Tito wants that, and somebody's telling him otherwise then he, did, he needs to not accept that. And he needs to fight more for what he, he believes. Well, he, I know he wanted it in, I mean, I'm talking May. I don't know. You know, I, 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 I know they collaborate on everything. And if there's one thing I know about Terry Francona from talking to people around him who have been around him since the early 90s, he plans for everything. You can criticize just lineup decisions. You can criticize pinch hitting situations. There's thought behind any scenario that can pop up. And that's, you know, that, that translates to everybody he collaborates with, you know, Carl Willis. And remember last season, Hunter Gaddis made that, they threw him to the wolves and everyone was up in arms and saying, how could you let this happen? Like he got his, you know what, torn off and, um, and the reason they did that was to set up their pitching for big series against Minnesota and Chicago to come, and it ended up working. Like, they they think about who might pitch two weeks from now. They think about lineups days in advance. They think about roster moves days and weeks in advance. Point is, it's not like this is just, oh, my God, straws up in the ninth? Uh, crap, we're out of time. Uh, I guess we can't go to Josh Bell or Andres Jimenez, or whoever else. Like, they think about this stuff. They have analysts whose job is to look at scenarios like this <laughs> and give feedback on what 
might be the best course of action. They meet Antonetti and Chernoff and Francona in that office constantly, daily basis, to talk about the game that happened, to talk about the next day, the days after that. It's not like this stuff doesn't get covered. It's not like there are 50 blind spots that no, there are no checks and balances about. So I, I'm, I'm amazed that almost 100 games into the season, the same questions about Arias or yeah, Arias and Freeman and all the young guys, not like they're just wasting away. It's un, it's just it's bizarre. And I don't see you know if I don't know. Let's say one of those guys wins the shortstop job next year, and one of them finds another way into the lineup somehow. Did that happen because of 2023? Like, I, I, nothing I've seen so far, or the handling of these guys, I don't, I don't see how they're benefiting. I mean, being around major leaguers and major league coaching, sure, but what about this season makes you believe that they'll be better equipped to perform in 2024 no. with opportunities? That, that's, that's not, but no, because it's you know what's going to happen. It's what happens with every damn season with this team. They'll figure it out. They'll figure out their answer, but it's going to take till July 15th because it'll take what they learn in April and May and June before they finally feel comfortable making the team fit the way that they want. That's, I mean, that's the truth. They do it every single year with their players. Now, I credit that they do often find answers and do play better in the second half. I mean, that's better than the scenario where they just play like crap in the first half and the second half. But when there are opportunities for you to learn more, and it's we've covered this with, with Rosario, it doesn't have to be sitting him on the bench every single day. But my God, there are a game or two more than what they are getting for the youngsters to get them into the lineup, to learn more, to see not only to see how they respond, but for to give these younger players enough of a runway for them to learn about themselves too and to figure out how they bounce back, how they deal with, with the negativity of a poor stretch and how they get themselves out of it. They see the, the adjustments after they have a little bit of success and they learn how to deal with that and how to make those adjustments themselves. All stuff that's going to take time and it's not going to happen unless they're, they're playing more than they are. And the reason this stuff is being beaten to death this year is because this is a very imperfect roster. So you can't afford to also inhibit yourself. Like you have to make the most of what you have because it's just it's not good enough on its own. This isn't a 100 win roster, and now you have injuries. And everything is more difficult, and you've had the bullpen just constantly screw you over at the worst times. So you can't be doubling down and making things worse. And I, I just circle back. Find me a more miserable viewing experience through 93 games. I mean, adding to the misery is that you've got a bullpen full of talented arms that none of them seem to want the eighth inning. None they of them. led the league in ERA at the All-Star break. Who would believe that? Like, Trevor Steffen is the worst good pitcher on the planet right now. And, like, every time they go to somebody else, they give somebody else the opportunity, they stub their toe. Or worse, like De Los Santos, 
screaming about it for weeks and weeks. He deserves more of an opportunity. So they give it to him. And in the key spots, like he'll get kicked around. And so today they go to him in the seventh inning. His first day with the eighth inning, he was facing the Red Sox. He gave up four runs. Right. And lost 5-4. Right. Right. So he he gets the seventh inning. So he's not there to rescue anybody in the eighth when Stefan's getting kicked around. And in this case, I'll defend Tito because what Henches, who was just on the mound two days ago, couldn't get anybody out. And so I'm not comfortable with going to, to Henches. Eli Morgan, his numbers look good, but every time he's been in a spot maybe where they need to have thrust him into more of that seventh, eighth inning, he loses control or he needs to be rescued. And it's like they go through this with everybody. Nick Sandlin, maybe he's the next one. Okay, he's he's deserving of another opportunity. But in the, some spots, that's where like he loses his command and he gets kicked around and needs rescued. Everybody that they turn to, they're all good pitchers. But none of them seem to want to survive and pitch well in the eight. And, of course, Class A has had his own issues here, but separate. I view him on a different level, and I still have all the confidence that he'll be fine. But, I, I, I mean, how? it's not like you're trading for somebody to fix that for you. No, the answer, you, the answer just has to be somebody has to put on their big boy reliever pants and handle the eighth inning. Where's James Karinchak at, by the way? What the hell is he doing? I'm not saying he's the answer, but... Columbus. But what the hell? What the hell has been his story through all of? Good time for a bullpen day, huh? Bullpen turnover. Yeah, that's a mess. Then you're gonna get a bullpen day Monday. You're gonna get Logan Allen on Tuesday, who hasn't thrown more than four innings in like a month. Times are tough. <laughs> this is uh, this is 2021 vibes. Remember, I. 2021, I actually remember being in Pittsburgh watching Henches and Mejia and Quantrill, and I think two of them pitched on short rest. <laughs> Jesus. Thank, thank goodness that Mejia showed the Brewers enough that they wanted to trade for him and gave you some guy named David Fry. Is Fry just proving that... Uh, okay, we already talked about this, but, but isn't he proving that that's your secondary catcher? I said at the time when they brought Bo Naylor up, don't run from Cam Gallagher, but I kind of think run for Cam Gallagher at this point. He should not be starting any Cam games Cam Gallagher anymore. essentially has been Shane Bieber's personal catcher. So does Cam Gallagher go on the injured list too until he comes back? I mean, I... Oh, no. <laughs> it's a waste of a roster spot, but they don't use the roster to... They don't maximize the roster anyway. So, like, what are you preventing? I, I know. You're preventing Rokio from coming up and sitting on the bench? Preventing Gonzalez from coming up and playing, like, twice a week and never being able to prove if he can lay off bad pitches or not? Like, I I don't know. Can a playoff team utilize Gallagher and say, like, we could use a good defensive backup catcher that we only utilize for his defense so we'll flip you a little bit of cash for that. Like, can't, can't that happen? Like, in a, there's probably some way for you to get something of value. But that roster spot makes no sense now. And God, you sit Naylor them. So he has the home run and his brother has the home run. Yeah, let's sit him two more days in this series. What the F? That makes no sense. And I, I don't want to hear, well, we, we, we got to be mindful of this young kid who's never taken on this major league role. Yeah, that's true. But how about we don't choose the day and the day after the day where he just goes bananas with his brother? I don't know. Let's use some common sense here. That, that, that goes into the consistency thing because 
Tito talks all the time about, I don't want to stand in the way of somebody getting hot. Well, guess what? Whether it's Tito or the front office or the collaboration, felt like somebody was standing in the way of Bo Naylor getting a little bit hot there. Make it make I mean, sense. Tyler Freeman goes make it make sense. for four every time he starts, and yet he plays once a week. I, that's Yeah. Oh, you don't want Bo Naylor to face a lefty? Well, Will Brennan was in the lineup. I mean, Naylor and Jimenez faced him. Gabriel Arias, who's been brutal against lefties this season, you pulled Sunday to start him for some reason. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm tired. I don't there's a lot of just things that don't add up, and I—I I mean, it's it's unbelievable. Like shame on the twins. Shame on them. How how are they not capitalizing on this? You know what's a pathetic franchise? The White Sox. How how did you not figure this out? How did you close your own window after 2021? How? And and you can't take advantage of this? You know what's a pathetic franchise? How about the Royals? When's the rebuild going to end? Look at these teams in the Central. You went into the gutter for how long and you still can't get out of it? With the division looking like this? You know what's a pathetic franchise? The Tigers. What are you guys doing? You're just going to be like, 41 and 51 forever. I just don't... This division is so bad. And the way the Guardians have treated the first four months of this season, they have no business even thinking about what can we do to, you know, to make this team, like, to, to take it to the next level this season and to be a good playoff. Like, what's amazing is the four pathetic teams I just mentioned. None of those four teams have a 75-year World Series drought. 75 years. Mm -hmm. I don't think this is going to be the year that they end it. And I think we're going to look back on this year as being like, what the hell happened? Like, you know how we, we love that game of 2022, can you believe... With how good this team looks at the end of the year, you look back at the opening day lineup and there was Bobby Bradley and Yu Chang and Bradley Zimmer. And I think we're going to look back at 2023 and be like, wait, it was August 23rd and Ahmed Rosario was still playing, hitting second and Why? playing shortstop every day. That was two months Miles before Straw his four year extension. Plate appearances. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, but he had a single. He had a single and a walk. And, okay. Tyler Freeman slashed 379, 426, 426, but only started that's, 22 that's, games. Well, that's going to be the one. Because you do that, I do that all the time. We look back and we say, like, why didn't Brian Giles play more? Why was Richie <laughs> Sexton, why do they need to get... Somebody to be Richie Sexton's partner because that dude would have been fine just letting him play every single day. Or, I mean, every hitter through the 90s that they traded away for pitching that did not work. We play that game a lot. Yeah, Tyler Freeman will be Double that Jeff guy. Jeff Juden. How did, we'll look at that and go, how did Freeman only play? You look at the back of his baseball card and think, why? I'll do that all the time. Why did What stopped a team from 
just playing somebody that was, like, even if you don't believe in him, what if they're just hot this year? What if this is just a good year <laughs> for whatever reason? I don't know. I love data, but sometimes there's just inexplicable reasons why a guy just has a tremendous year for whatever reason. This was Tyler Freeman's year, and you just don't never you play you never play him, you never find out. And it's it you're right. It's the same GD things every single episode. I'm not sure that it's a good thing that people like. Maybe people like these rants, and they feel the same things that we do, and and so they connect with that. I don't know. Maybe they would rather us spend more time diving into the the draft. <laughs> looking at what other minor leaguers that we haven't talked about before are doing. I don't know. I mean, there's a time and a place for that. It certainly feels like this is the thing that's on every Guardians fan's mind. And as tired as you are of talking about it, and maybe fans are of hearing about it, it's not going away. It's not going away. No. And I mean, I'm saying everything I'm saying. And look, uh, we had family in town this weekend. Uh, We had an engagement in the family. And Believe me, I'm packing up the car to go to Pittsburgh, and I know I'm going to be asking those same questions that I'm so sick of asking that they're so sick of hearing me ask. And uh, just hopefully, like, there's, like, a new fresh face I can ask or something. Like, send a random new front office member on this trip or stick a different coach I'm not used to asking in front of me. Like, I I don't know. Maybe we can get some new answers. But it's all also more, you know, with when you're – clock is ticking toward the trade deadline. Things are a little more interesting. You know, it's a, you see it's a natural transition period, right? I mean, we've seen, depending on like their level of aggression, we've seen very different looking teams start August 1st, right? Some years it's a big trade or just some years it's, I mean, I think of 2015 when they jettisoned every veteran out of there. Moss, Murphy, Zepchinski, and then Swisher and Bourne. And like we were watching Abraham Almonte trying to talk ourselves into him being a regular the second half of that year. So like there, there's the potential for that type of thing. But I think we need a better grasp on like, as you've said over and over again, what the hell is your direction? Where's this thing headed? Where do you want it to go? You're steering it like the freaking submersible right now. Yikes. I just had a an awful thought. Deadline's going to happen. Some team is going to look at Miles Straw and recognize the role that we're all screaming he would be perfect for. They're going to trade for him. The Guardians probably have to like chip in some money to pay for that. And you know what's going to happen? He's going to go to some playoff team and they're going to utilize him to perfection. And we're going to be here looking at that in October going, what the absolute F that's how you use that guy. Like couldn't imagine a playoff team that has a passable, maybe subpar center fielder. Here's a guy with speed in the playoffs. He could swipe a base. He can play a little bit. Not a ton. Like the Astros for years. I felt didn't the Astros after Springer left for like a short period of time, they kind of did that with Straw and others others in that that mix. It's like we, we'll we'll find a way to utilize this skill set and get the most out of it so that we're leveraging it to make a difference. 
Miles Straw can make somebody a difference. And it, it just feels like it's not going to be in Cleveland because it's going to be, no, run that guy out every single day. And God, yeah. we're crapping on twins. Here's here's the sad thing. We're crapping on Straw. It's really not. Like, it feels like it's a Miles Straw. He's the issue. He's not the issue. He is what he is. He's just being miscast now by management, front office, whatever. He's being thrust into a position where he should not be. That's not his fault. That's really not his fault. He is who he is. He's not going to discover 30 home run power. It's just, it's not happening. It's on the organization for not using him the right way. What's the most miserable season you've ever watched? Uh, I would say uh, it's probably the 2021 season of the Selby is Godcast. <laughs> on today's show, for the eighth consecutive week, we're going to try to convince you that Bradley Zimmer has 25 homer power. And Ugh. we're going to look into this prospect no one really knows about named Stephen Kwan, and TJ's <laughs> going to tell you why. He's the next big thing. See, you remember the good things you let the other stuff escape. Tell your brain survives. I'm going to hold on to the 114.4 mile per hour streamer to center field from Gabriel Arias. I'm going to hold on to that forever. I'm going to cherish it. Later, everybody. By the way, SeatGeek, use code SELBY, get $20 off your first purchase. Bye. <laughs>